welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today's chat is with Chris Orr, a Glaswegian chef with an infectious lust for life and passion for hospitality. Widely travelled and having worked in many different kitchens with a range of cuisines, Chris has lots of great stories and ever-evolving ideas for food. He now has his own kitchen, Wee Man's Kitchen, which runs out of the Tall Boy and Moose Brewery in Preston. It's an open kitchen because Chris loves to chat to customers and be part of the dining experience. He's serving up the food he loves, so Scottish with Italian, Indian and whatever he fancies really, influences. You can get haggis pakora and chips with curried sauce, but you can also get bona fide gnocchi and I reckon his Sunday roasts are becoming the stuff of legends. This chat made me so happy and I can't wait for you to listen too. Hi, how are you? Can you hear me okay? I can, perfectly, thank you. (laughs) Thanks for agreeing to talk to me. When I spoke to Michael Craig last week and he mentioned there was another Glaswegian chef in Melbourne, I thought, I can't pass up on this. (laughs) Yeah, we might go way back actually. Yes. So he said that you were his his head chef in an American barbecue restaurant in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to, yeah. Yeah. So I think that was one of the first places he worked as, yeah. He was like the crummy chef. Yeah. And then it could, yeah, just kind of moved on. Yes. Yeah. I got a bit of a fright when I seen him in Melbourne, actually, because yeah. I hadn't seen him for a while. And I was like, well, he was working at Trippy Tacos. And I was like, oh, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's crazy, isn't it? You sort of think you come halfway around the world, you don't really expect just to run into someone else when you're yeah, making your way. Yeah, totally, totally. So I thought it was quite interesting because obviously that was American barbecue and then I've also read that you worked in an Indian restaurant and also um, Italian restaurant and now you're finally getting back to your roots with a bit of Scottish, although it seems like you're drawing on all of those places. But where did it all, where did it all start for you? Did you always know you wanted to be a chef? Uh, I suppose yeah, it kind of went that way. Like from the beginning, I always had a keen interest in cooking. Like my mum, like when I was young, doing a lot of baking and stuff. And I suppose back in the day, like steady, steady cooking, all the kind of British cooking programs, you know, uh, like uh, Ainsley Harriet, and, like you know Gordon Ramsay, and, uh, Floyd, what's his name? Mm. Uh, uh, Floyd. Keith Floyd, sorry, he was a big inspiration of me, and it was always something, you know, I was always interested in, and I suppose, you know, cooking, and, like, travelling, and just wanting to see the world, that was, like, to my inspiration, and, yeah, I kind of fell into that from an early age, probably, started kind of cooking really around 16, when I worked in uh, catering for a national stadium. And then when I was 18, I went to the south of France and started cooking for a big group of boys. But I was, I was basically taking down tents at the time and I started just group cooking for everybody. And then that's meant I know I was in kitchens in Glasgow. Mm. Started off in an Italian restaurant. Then moved on to Argentinian food. Yep. Uh, so that was a kind of, you know, something, that was something different. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it just a kind of keen interest in just probably international cuisine, really. Yeah. 
you know, in Glasgow at that time, it was probably European, very European based, and uh, I just kind of wanted to explore and see more. Yeah. So you're saying you went to the south of France for a while. Where, yeah, whereabouts yeah. was that? So that was in a place called Antibes. Yeah. Uh, so I went to Antibes and I was in Nice. Beautiful. And went up to Cannes as well. So basically, um, it's was, it was, it was just a kind of small part of the story. But uh, basically, yeah, I was I got a job. Like I just left school and I got a summer job taking down the tents in like big uh, holiday parks. And uh, so it was just a bunch of kind of rich boys, and there was about 20 of them. That's when I kind of started, like, you know, who, 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 who can cook? And I was like, oh, I can cook. Yeah. So I started like, cooking for like 20 people, and I suppose, like, you know, being in France and having like so much ingredients, like waking up in the morning, like going down in the bakery, getting bread, and you know, just so much amazing kind of produce in like the supermarkets like compared to the UK in that time. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it was really, really exciting, you know, like just back then, I suppose even simple things like being like, you know, fresh basil and that. Like, I remember <laughs> when I was a kid, like, didn't really get much fresh basil in Scotland. Like, mm. basil, you know, in the supermarkets anyway, or anywhere like the markets. So just to see stuff like that and just get inspired and like buying this and trying that, you know, really kind of got my juices flowing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and then when I got back to Glasgow, like one of my mates, he was probably about 18, 19, he offered me a job in an Italian restaurant, uh, Desca. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. And like, I don't know, there was a slight glamorisation about cooking at first when you're that young and like, you know, watching all your cooking gurus and you think you can just go in like, you've got all these ideas how you make it then structurally everything's you know completely different yeah completely different you know it was like then you get tipped off in the corner like there was like 25 bags of mussels you need to clean yeah and there was like a, a massive wheel of parmesan like you've never seen in your life it takes you about two hours to like you know take it apart yeah and then like you get a tiny little grater and you like grate the whole thing you know <laughs> just basically be fetched around and i was like god then the funny thing about I always remember when I was in there, like, <laughs> just my chef eyes and how dirty I used to get. Yeah. I used to have, like, I used to have this kind of thing where I used to wipe my hands and my, and my tummy, <laughs> you know. And I just, like, my mum, I would take my wipes so over my mum and there were just like, these, like, red tomato brown <laughs> stains, you know, that just wouldn't come out. My mum was bleaching them back then, my mum done the washing. <laughs> she was, like, bleaching my, bleaching my wipes every day, you know. But, yeah, but that was a fun time, you know. I always felt like, you know, I've always kind of had a strong Italian kind of background for cooking. Mm. Uh, just, I suppose, just with attitude in Scotland and at the same time, you know, going uh, to Lake Garda in uh, Italy when I was younger and uh, just really had a passion for and pasta, yeah. I suppose. And, you know, and just, it probably is, you know, seen as European and, you know, as foreign because it was like, you know, you get great tomatoes and great produce and you just never really had the chance for it in Scotland at that time because like, I'm, I'm talking about early 90s. Yeah. Early 90s, you know, like back in the day uh, when we used to eat potatoes for a living. Potatoes and chips. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking. Yeah, I um, because I'm from New Zealand, and um, I went, yeah. I lived for a year in France in 1993 to 94, and 
um, and food has come a long way in New Zealand as well. But um, at the yeah. time, going to France, and I lived in yeah, and just out of Avignon, so um, for me it was a revelation as well. So I'm not a chef, but I certainly appreciated just the markets and just. I don't know, yeah, and just yeah. f- tomatoes that tasted like sunshine and apricots that yeah. tasted like, you know, apricot jam just because they were so beautiful and ripe and, yeah. <laughs> so I know, yeah, I know what you're saying. The way, just the way, you know, people markets and stuff would take care of the food, right? and yeah. how, how interested, you know, people were in the cheeses and the chicotery and, you know, like markets play a big place in my life now as well and I think mm. that's like one of the big reasons why I came to Melbourne and mm. basically wanted to sell in Melbourne because I travelled here back in 2003 mm. and fell in, I fell in love with Melbourne because it felt like, you know, in a European city and, you know, the other side of the world and, like, I first kind of, you know, had the Vic Market. I remember going to Vic Market and just, like, falling in love and I was saying that I backpackers back then and I would cook for the whole backpackers and go, right, right, what's everybody wanting, you know, and, like run off to the market and get lost in there and just like, you know, end up spending a fortune and just so I could cook and just like see all the wonderful things and like that always played a big impact in my mind. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I'm gonna come back. So I moved here in what two thousand and twelve. Yep. Something like that. And I was like, Yeah, this is it and yeah, and I've got a restaurant up in Preston. Yes. So I'm right next to Preston Market and like I'm I'm basically there five days a week. I mean days are not open. Yeah. Not right now, but yeah. So Marcus yeah, always playing a big role. I just love the freshness and the smells and the, you know Yeah, that's right. Stuff. You're always you're always finding something. Yeah. So when you first came you were at Rita's, um for, yeah. was that when you first got here or uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's when I kind of first got here. Mm. I was working at a small cafe down in Elwood, I think it's called Cafe Cuba. Yeah. And I was doing breakfast there. Uh, but for some reason, I just never took to it. And mm. then I just seen a lot of advertising at Abbotsford. And I wasn't kind of sure what Abbotsford was. I was staying as a counter, and it would be good on, like, end up staying with your British and you were a backpacker. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where the Kiwi stayed, but yeah, I call it, I call it like mini, mini Dublin now, yeah. like, you know, yeah, mini London. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, I seen a job for Rita's, and it's quite far away, but yeah, I went for a try, and yeah, straight away, like, everything just kind of fell into place. I started kind of doing, because they were open back then for breakfast, uh, breakfast, lunch and dinner, so I started off like just doing breakfast shifts. And like everything was pretty straightforward, you know, and like started cooking simple kind of Italian breakfast, you know, and uh, don't know, like mushrooms and like garlic mushrooms and toast, the like, toast edge, the kind of normal stuff. I can't remember. It's going away back now, but yeah. they started in there. But I ended up I stayed there for like five years. Mm. Uh, I, got, I had a good relationship with the owner, and kind of really believed in what what I was doing. You know, I really enjoyed. Like it was a small place, and uh, all made all handmade pieces and uh, pastas, mm. uh, and uh, all the produce was really good. Uh, Dan, the owner, he was like, you know, he was really, really good at you know sourcing stuff. 
and like just yeah, everything we used was good, and I just kind of and I got a bit of free reign with designing the menus and stuff. So mm. yeah, I kind of stayed there and. And I love pizza as well. So, oh, it's uh, a great place. And I mean, now I live in Abbotsford and that um, that's really, well, before the lockdown, that was really starting to flourish with Dr. Morse and um, Beaudrigui yeah. and all of those places. So it is a great, it's a great little corner down there. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a great, it's a great feeling. It's like a great feeling for that area now. Yeah. Like, especially it was just like me. It was back then, like a good four years ago, we had another cafe up the road. And now it's like buzzing. Yeah. You know, yeah. But yeah, I love like Dr. Moss and stuff as well. I, I love Abbotsford actually. Yeah. I'm just in uh, Northcote, which is even better. I love Northcote. Yeah, Northcote's great. I mean, any, I think any, anywhere Northside really. Although I, when I first moved here to Melbourne, I lived in Elwood and that was great as well. But um, yeah, yeah. Yes, Melbourne is a great city. There's a lot of, um, and, and I think that's the, the joy of it that there are these different neighbourhoods that each have a different feel, which is. Um, which is interesting, but so did you go straight from Rita's to your own place, or what? How did that? How did that? How did that come about? Wee Man's Kitchen. Wee Man's Kitchen. So yeah, I was working at Rita's, but I suppose after like you know five years, I wasn't like in the circle, and I was kind of looking for new directions. Like I was in my head thinking about doing like kind of Scottish pop ups, mm. uh, and I was looking. I think it's called. Like, I had this whole visualization of doing a Scottish pop up. And I think it was an old bar called the Clyde Bar, just in Elgin Street. Mm. Uh, just at, uh, yeah, Elgin, I think it was in Elgin Street, yep. Uh, uh, I've seen that bar and it kind of reminded me of an old Glasgow bar. You know, it was just kind of like a wee bit student-y, you know. The decor seemed quite plain. I don't know, there was just a feel for it. So I had this whole thought I was going to pop up there and I was going to go in and speak to them. But that never happened. Mm. So I had a friend who was brewing beer, uh, Dan, who's now the owner of uh, Brewer at Tillboy Mist. He asked me if I wanted to come up and uh, open a kitchen and do food. And I, like, I, I kind of grabbed, grabbed the opportunity and I was like, uh, well, well, why not? You know, I've never, never, you know, landlord kitchen that would be made before. So, yeah, it was a lot of setting up. I had to actually build the kitchen. and uh, Wow. Get it out, and yeah, it was it was quite stressful. At that time, I just had my first child, mm. uh, Albie. So basically, I was living in St Kilda as well. Oh God! And, and I don't drive, so <laughs> I was yeah, I was trying to build a kitchen for like eight months, you know, like going up a bit, going away up to Preston back, and yeah, so it was yeah, it was a hard. Time, the number of yeah. chefs I hear who um, start new ventures when they've just had a, um, a baby astounds me because yeah. it's, it's, it's like you just it's want more of a challenge. Time. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but out there, if you send me there, don't, don't do that. Wait till you've had your baby or your young dude. Yeah, don't do it. Especially with my kids. Oh my God. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, how did you know? So, how do you go about knowing what you want for a kitchen design as a chef? Because you've been in a, quite a few kitchens. What's the most important thing about setting up a kitchen for you? Uh, for me, it's like, especially probably the main things flow. You mm. know, you've got to have a kitchen that kind of flows and it's got to be really easy and accessible to like 
plot dishes in and out, you know. Like, so, you know, first of all, it's probably important to set up, like, for you get, so I've got an open plan kitchen. Uh, for me, I'm kind of lucky because I've worked, I've worked in a lot of open plan kitchens. And I, I like open plan because I'm very kind of customer based. I like to my customers and I like to see what they're doing and just kind of be a part of the restaurant. But in terms of flow, you know, I think it's good to set up. Uh, your dishwasher area and make sure that you know you've got uh, the dishwasher and like when all the dishes and stuff are coming in and out you, yeah it's just going to run smoothly in terms of kitchens you know it depends what you're going to do but in setup for me like I looked at what I was going to be cooking and how it'd be cooking so I've always like for years and years like, I've always been a bit of a grill boy and like you know always love like grilling meat and like right into my barbecue and stuff but I wasn't taking that direction so because of kind of based around Italian food as well I was like right well I need a stove so we got a nice nice big uh, second hand uh, stove for the 1960s I can't even yeah solid big thing so heavy yeah just set, I set it up really simple at first so stove fryer uh, a flat top and yeah just the kitchen your kitchen uh, fridges, yeah, refrigeration is really important. But I would like to say, like, refrigeration, I've got a small kitchen, so it's space, which is like, a hard thing mm. to manage. And it's always, like, I never kind of forward thought and thought, like, well, if I'm expanding, because uh, 12 boy immerse is like, you know, it can sit 200 people, mm. you know, and, and my kitchen is like, it's basically the size of a small kitchen you get in a house. So, in terms of volume, it gets quite tricky. But the good thing about that is, you know, everything's fresh. You 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 just gotta make it. You know, like yeah. you, you can't store a lot. So at least you know when you're coming to see me, I'm busting my balls to get some food out rather than sitting a week before and getting everything ready, which is yeah. perfect. But yeah, flow, flow, and just like I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's just like flow, it's just like Jedi skills. Yeah. And and so I was looking at your menu and you talked about having an an Italian influence, but you've also using some Scottish influences as well. How do you, (laughs) I wouldn't have thought of combining Indian, Italian and Scottish, but it clearly works at Wee Man's Kitchen. So how how do you make that all come together? (laughs) That's a good one, actually. So, <laughs> have you been to the UK? Yes. Yeah, you've been to the UK. Right? See me down at the pub? Yeah. The first thing we used to do, like, back in the day, like, pubs were shut, pubs were shut at, like, 12 o'clock. So, you would go straight to your Indian. Yeah. And you would sit in your Indian, and you would order your pakora or your curry, and while you were waiting, the, the, uh, you'd get a pint. You would always allow you to sit and have an extra pint. So that was kind of my introduction, you know, to Indian food, because my dad and my mum, like, when they were coming back from the pub, they always used to bring an Indian, an Indian takeaway home. So, yeah, we all, when my dad was like, trying to get away from my mum, he was like, right, mum will get an Indian. So he would go down to the Indian restaurant and uh, order a curry. And the curries used to take like half an hour because they're all so busy. Like Indian food in Scotland is like our unofficial national dish, you know. Like, <laughs> it's, like we love curry so much, and I love curry so much. So yeah, I spent half my half my time, you know, 
eating Indian food and like even at school, like Indian food, you know, you get uh, the big like you know uh, school fets and stuff. So all the mums, all the mums that you know would be bringing all the nice wee fairy cakes and you know all the nice scones and stuff. Then like when you had all the Indian and Pakistani mums come. There'd be like pepperonis and badges and samosas and all these amazing sweets you never seen, you know. And like my mum's like, Chris, 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 make sure you get some pepperonis. <laughs> but that would go first, you know. Instead of like all the the, the fairy cakes and just the normal kind of standardised the British food, it was always the Indian food that seemed to go. And, and that's always been a big fun tradition in Scotland, you know. It's like, you know, being multicultural and like appreciating. Where you know there's different cultures, but it's committing Scotland and where food you know is going and where it you know being more global about it. Mm. So for me, like what what Scottish food represents in wee man's kitchen is this you know associated with drinking because that's what Scottish people are kind of associated with. You know we like a drink and we like and the best food to go with drinks probably Indian food. Mm. Uh, in the centre, you know. Italian, like the whole Italian influence, I suppose it's just like that home cooking style that everybody can recognise. Like, like everybody's got their own, you know, Italian influx. Whether you know what nationality are you, you, you you're in, you're Italian. You're, everybody, everybody eats pasta. Mm. So I suppose like you know that plays a part. But for me, man's kitchen, you know, Scottish food. I would say. Yeah, I guess if I'd read, you know, everything's deep fried, which, of course, you know, a lot of it is. You know, chip shops play a big part in Scottish cooking, uh, like the traditional fish and chip shops. The traditional fish and chip shops, you know, you get your battered fish, you get your potato cakes, you get deep fried pizza. Deep fried pizza, deep fried sausage, deep fried Mars bar, deep fried hamburger, deep fried dog, you know. Yeah, you don't really get deep fried dog, but if you want to deep fry a dog, I'm sure the Scots can do it. But yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, so chip shops, you know, I suppose it's yeah, that that as as probably associated with football in Scotland and the UK as well. It's like when you're going to watch the football, it's like soccer, uh, the soccer as you call it over here. Mm. Yeah, chip shops are always like, you know the big go to. Mm. I, I stayed next to Scotland's National Stadium, so we had like four chip shops in a local area. <laughs> and so, like, basically, let's like, say it was Scotland and England, or you know, like Rangers versus Celtic, two teams from Glasgow. Like, you would just see these big burly men walking down with our bottles of buck bats, which is a Scottish kind of tonic wine that gets you really drunk with like cans of beer and bags of chips. Yeah. You know, like, you know, grease on their face, chanting. Chanted Rangers songs and Celtic songs. So I kind of, again, as Wee Man's Kitchen, being in a brewery called Tall Boy Mouse, I associated that with, you know, drinking. Yeah. So basically, the whole idea about Wee Man's Kitchen for this kind of where that is just now is all just about food and, you know, just things that go well with drinking beer because I suppose that's what most people are coming to Tall Boy Mouse. Top boy most for is like craft beer, yeah. And rather than you know just the normal like, uh, I don't know, would you know? Like I do haggis, yeah. I, I make haggis. I make moon haggis. I was going to uh, ask you about that, yeah, because I 
I don't know how easy it is to get hold of Haggis any other way no, in Melbourne. It's out of Peggy's. Oh, alone. right. Yeah. There's a few, there's a few companies that actually sell it. But yeah, like I was scared shitless about doing Haggis because again, Haggis Scotland gets really bad to because people, you know, see it as like a disgusting little thing that Scottish eat, which is like basically awful, a lamb's awful, like shoved into a sheep's stomach <laughs> yeah. and kicked around like a football, but it's actually a small little animal that lives in the glens of Scotland that Anne voted over here and used to just go out and shoot them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I like to play a lot of games with customers, but, <laughs> but that's another thing, it's like going back seven or eight years, you know, like I was surprised when I first came over and the breakfast menu is like you see a lot of black pudding and I was like, wow, because I never really associated that with Australia and Australians eating a lot of black pudding, but that seemed to be in a lot of menus and I suppose by seeing that I thought, right, well, I'm going to put a haggis on, I'm going to show my truth that true identity is Scottish mm. uh, and I suppose I, I just, the whole ending of Scotland Scottish thing, I just kind of play with ingredients. I spent a lot of time in India as well, and I think you know, just the spice like the spices we use in India, it, it's very you know, you can cross it over with a lot of cuisine. And I suppose like Scottish food, like using a lot of kind of potatoes and different cuts of meat and chicken, and just having a big strong influence uh, Indian food and my love for Indian food. I suppose I just kind of played that all into one and I'm still kind of you know would love to own a kind of British Indian restaurant mm. I think that's one of my goals actually yeah right but it must be amazing when you get your own place to be able to to do all that to bring all the things you love together and cook what you absolutely want to cook <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's the beauty of it it's like yeah you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do. And like for me, it's like I get bored very easy, so I like to change my menus quite often. But I've also got a specials menu, so whenever I feel like I want to put something new up, I just shove up the specials board. And like I've got this whole kind of OCD thing, so I can't just have one thing. I end up like putting like five different specials on, and again, it's a small kitchen. So, and I've my menu can get me a bit big at times because, I, I don't know, I always try to simplify things, but I'm like, oh, I can't leave this on, and I need to put this on, I need to do that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, having a kitchen is a point that it gives you scope and it keeps it entertaining for, like, doing new stuff, mm. and I'm constantly doing new stuff. Yeah. Uh, right, right now, doing, like, the recession, the, the recession, the, the lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> the bloody lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've kind of been shut for six weeks because I wasn't set up to do takeaway really. I kind of, for me, it's like takeaway food's amazing. And I just didn't want to be that restaurant. I wanted people to come in and see me experience my food being and then rather than actually, you know, taking it home in the morning because it doesn't really look the picture. Yes. Yeah. So I've been doing these like big feasts. I call them Wee Man's Feasts and that's what I first started doing at Wee Man's. Uh, so it was a, a monthly feast that I would just pick a country and or pick a city even and uh, just home all my like, cooking skills and uh, a menu that I designed for that country or region. So last week, I think I was doing the poly food 
So I've never been in a province one of the countries I haven't been to, but that was like, right, my wee Indian chef cook, uh, he's been in a province, so me and him kind of teamed up together and done like a whole Nepalese feast, which was amazing, using pretty cool ingredients, like uh, we got some buffalo meat. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and so I ended up smoking that over hay, and like we was doing that for 10 weeks that I wasn't used to, because I was just doing a lot of Indian techniques when it came to cooking, but Nepalese foods, yeah, they've got their own kind of style of cooking, which was quite different from Indian cooking, actually, so I, I learned a lot. Yeah, amazing. You know? And, uh, yeah, I just, I just like to do new things all the time. I like so so you're just doing that once a month, or is it that you do it for a month, or how does it work? Oh, no, just once, like a one-off. So one-off, yeah. It's like, yeah, just one-off uh, every two weeks. Yeah, the next one I'm probably going to do is Jamaican food, wow. which I love. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of Jamaican food, like, you know, going to London a lot. Uh, when I was living in Canada, yeah, it was a big Jamaican community, so I'm mm-hmm. like, addicted to like jerk chicken and yeah. Oh, so yeah. And so, how would how would people find out about that to be able to get in on that? So uh, yeah, I uh, Instagram and only post on Instagram and romance kitchen page. Okay. Yeah, great. On Facebook, that's the hard thing about being a chef owner. It's like. I spend too much time in the cooking and I don't do enough <laughs> time on Instagram, so it's, it's always a bit of a hassle. It's always like a last minute thing as well. Yeah. I plan it in my head and I'm like, right, I'll just do it. Yeah. Uh, it's good just to do different stuff, I suppose, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and clearly you still love cooking and love the hospitality side. I really like that idea of you saying that you didn't want to do the food you were doing at Wee Man's Kitchen as takeaway because for you it's the whole experience of, I mean, as you said, it goes with beer and you love talking to the customers. I really, that to me is the epitome of hospitality. So that must be what you love about your job, your work. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, that's, that's my main. I'm finding it really difficult just now because of the lockdown and, you know, not being able to have customers into the restaurant. I get lonely, I suppose. Yeah. Like, every time I've worked in big restaurants, when the kitchen's been a closed-off kitchen, it's like, I hate that feeling of not seeing what's happening. I, mm. you know, being part of hospitality is the, the buzz. You know, it's, it's the clattering of place, it's the noise, the people chatting, drinking, the smells. But it's like, I love being in restaurants myself, you know, and I love to be... And that buzz, but at the same time for me, cooking like it starts at home as well. And I'm always, I'm always cooking here. I'm always exploring new things. I've got I've got like you know when it comes to cooking for me, it's like say for example like I've been obsessed with Mexican food recently. So mm-hmm. I'll go and I'll like like explore, explore, read about, read about, read about, and like, find dishes that I've never done, I never made, and I'll try you know perfect it in the house and just like invite people around for like dinner and right now it's a bit hard because I can't even invite people around for dinner. No, yeah. So yeah, and there's only and there's only so much like my missus can eat in my cooking. <laughs> you know, and my freezer's full of like, you know, different concoctions. And don't get me wrong, sometimes stuff just doesn't work. Mm. You know, so it gets a bit bloody expensive at times. <laughs> but yeah, just 
that's yeah, that's what it means to me. You know, I, I think you, if you want to be a chef, you know, especially at the age of forty, you've got to love cooking. You know, it's just not a job. The, the drive for it, like it's long hours. Like that's the hard thing. It's like I'm forty, I've got two kids. Like I'm needed in the house now. You know, yeah. It's not. It's not. That I can sit and like do thirteen hour shifts anymore. My body just won't take it. So. I suppose having my own place allows me to, you know, come in and out and concentrate on my family at the same time having a wee bit of passion, uh, which is still cooking and being able to explore that in the restaurant. Perfect. Thank you. That's just, I always find, what the thing I love about these conversations with chefs is that every single time, although I've spoken to a lot of chefs now, you all come out with these beautiful... <laughs> things in a nutshell that just explain your perspective and I'm always so grateful that you that the chefs share that with me and you certainly have Chris so thank you so much for talking to me today oh, it's been such such a pleasure thanks very much sometimes I rabble oh no it's been it's wonderful just don't catch me with my pint you'll be there for three hours <laughs> well thank you and enjoy the rest of your afternoon with your kids and um Okay. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.